It's Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show. I'm Bob Lawton. I'm Jim Hyde. And yeah, this is the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, the place where we bring you, bring you the latest computer news and answer your computer questions. Toby Molina at the Point and Click Research Desk has the night off. She's on assignment. On assignment. Okay. <laughs> so it's Bob and I, and it's nice to have you back today too, uh, this time around, Bob. Um, the show two weeks ago we did was a pre-recorded one that Toby and I put together um, with a few uh, news items as well as a really interesting um, interview f with our friend Morton Rand Hendrickson yes. talking again about uh, artificial intelligence. So you can find that on the jukebox or the podcast page on the KZYX uh, website, folks, if you've missed it. So did Morton kind of pick up where he left off last time with his uh, analysis of AI? Well, we were talking about the whole, the big hot potato, the big squirrel that the, that the venture capital dogs are, are, are barking at out the, <laughs> at the living room window. And that is generative AI. All of these tools that let you create content. Oh, it's yeah. Text. With yeah. Chat GPT, you've probably read that, you know, Chat GPT apparently can like pass the bar exam now you know, or something like that. And these image generation programs and the, you know, the, 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 the potential good to the potential not so good. And the fact that uh, his, his basic takeaway from it was um, this genie is out of the bottle and we, it's up to us to kind of control where it goes and how it's used. It's really interesting. I learned something fascinating today and I, I'm going to have to do more research on it, but um, apparently um, chips like the, um, what is the, the neural engine in Apple's chips, yeah. you know, you've heard of the neural engine. I, I'm trying to remember the word they used. It's an interesting common word. Um, but basically the long and short of it is they have these gigantic server farms, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. rows and rows and rows of servers out there growing these algorithms. And, you know, it takes massive processing to get through all this data, you know, every word that's ever been written in human history has to get analyzed and <laughs> yes. groomed right. and polished and, and, and buffed up. But then they, they turn them into these, um, um, programs, you know, the, the, the actual artificial intelligence programs that they can then scale down. It's like they harvested this fruit out of the, uh, oh, the yeah. AI orchard. And then like Apple will put that distilled result into the neural engine. So it's like they're out there, um, you know, cultivating these rare crops and then picking the little little valuable bits and putting them in so your well, your iphone doesn't have to have the acreage of a server farm but the results of those uh, you know those scanning all the data are there you know embedded in exactly. these programs yeah. which is just amazing to me you know that's yeah it's it's like it's like crazy compression or something i mean like the image generation programs they are trained on millions and millions and millions of images that they find um, across the internet, <clears throat> and that have had captions associated with them. So, if there's pictures of a, a picture of a horse, and there's a caption below it that says "horse," then the AI knows, ah, those that arrangement of pixels must be must mean horse, and that's how they kind of quote unquote learn. And you always have to say quote quote unquote with these things because they're not really intelligent. They're not really learning. They're just ingesting massive amounts of data and then identifying patterns in it. But <clears throat> so with all of that images, you can run one of the one of the very popular AI 
image generation tools. It's called Stable Diffusion. You can run it on your phone. You can run it locally on your on an iPhone or an iPad. It's like a four or five gigabyte download, which is not chicken feed. No, but it's also not every single image that's on the internet. No, no, not but at all. But it will crazy. it will operate on your phone locally without having to contact the the gigantic Correct. server farm out in the middle of Iowa or wherever they exactly. put those things. Yep. Yeah, um, I remembered the word. I remembered the word, and it's really interesting. It's inferencing. Ooh, inferencing. So inferencing. I do that all the time. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> but but now I can do it on my iPhone. So I guess yeah. like if if this if this image generator will work on your iPhone, they've inferenced the information they need to get what's yeah. what's commonly used. Like you know when you're when you're typing and you get the word suggestions. You know when you're using your phone to message and you're getting the word suggestions. Right. Um, those are inferenced. Sure, exactly. That's all type, another form of AI that's at work. Yeah. So, but they but they get that in they get that intelligence by going through and and creating the inferences on a mass, gigantic, you know, humongous server farm scale, and then they can can kind of distill it down to they have something that's only you know one or two gigabytes that works on your phone, and it's just yeah. it's just amazing. It's it's amazing, and and the pace of growth and evolution in this field right now is so kind of just neck snappingly fast. Um, I came across a, a website today uh, from a company that's based in London called Flawless, flawless.com. Okay. And what they've done is develop neural network processing systems for the movie industry that will allow them to you know, anytime a foreign film is translated, you see, you know, Robert Lip, Robert De Niro's lips moving in English, but then you hear an actor in French or an actor in Spanish yeah. saying, you know, you talking to me or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, they've developed a technology that allows an actor to say in Spanish, you talking to me, but it reforms the words, the face, Robert De Niro's face to make him actually appear that he is saying those lines in Spanish or German or Russian or Japanese or whatever it might be. So instead of lip syncing, uh, it's sync limping. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And if you want to see a, an amazing demo, just go to flawless dot, flawless, flawless And right on their homepage, they have a, of a, of a, a demo that where they took a little 10 second clip of a movie. There was a movie um, called um, fearless, I think, or fear or something like that. Um, that came out a couple of years ago. And one of the big distributors, Lionsgate, I think it was, said to the filmmakers, we will distribute this if it gets a PG-13 rating. Well, the motion picture board, the ratings board, looked at the movie and said, yeah, no, this is an R because of its language. So they went and contracted with this company, Flawless, to redo the words where certain words were turned into freaking, for example. And, uh, and, and when you look at it, it's just like flawless. They, they couldn't, flawless indeed. They yeah. couldn't, they couldn't reshoot the scenes. You know, they were on location somewhere and obviously that budget was non, non-existent. Right. So they used AI to kind of remap the mouths of actors and resynthesize the words and it's, it's just crazy. So they 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 dubbed in or 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 cut in the new language they wanted in the soundtrack, 
Right. And then the AI was able to reform the lips or the mouth of the actor exactly. to, yeah. to be, <laughs> to be, to, to be saying what the new dialogue said. And it was seamless. I mean, the film would be playing along the way the original was. And then all of a sudden, instead of the F word, he would say fracking or something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you would never know. Would if never you had know. not known, you would never know. Yeah. And the same thing with the foreign translations, aside from the fact that, you know, no, everyone knows that De Niro does not actually speak Mandarin. No. <laughs> but, um, but when you watch the, the clips, the sample clips, his mouth is moving along with the foreign language uh, of whatever it might be. It's so, funny. Um, one, of my, one of my strangest likes to do sometimes, especially if I really enjoyed a movie and I just want to kind of think about it, is I'll keep watching the credits past the regular oh, yes. credits oh and we then are, we are one and the same my friend and then you see who did the who did the uh you know the vietnamese dubbing you know right. who 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 the actual voice actor was that did the parts of of the different uh actors uh you know in the original production and it just yeah. goes on and on you know the french version the italian version the german version the the, uh, the hebrew version and all that and it's just it's just fun to see how many different languages they pull into those things yeah it really is yeah it's it's a kind of an amazing um like i said just period of explosive growth in the ai world um and um it's controversial in a lot of ways, you know, is this sort of thing going to replace certain jobs? Um, and of course, the ta as, as Morton said, AI isn't going to replace your job. Capitalism. Might. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Might, companies or bosses who realize, hey, I can get an AI, AI to do this. Well, fire your whole person. fire your whole art department. You know, the, the president of the ad ad agency will be able to just say, you know, Siri, give me a picture of a woman in a gingham dress on a bicycle, you know, or something right. like that. And boom, there. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's strange. What I want to know is, um, what was your impression with this latest um, interview you did with Morton versus the one you did? Was last, was it last November? It was, it was last year sometime, late it, last year. Within a year. But yeah. was there that much whiplash between you, what you guys talked about the first time and this one? Well, last time he talked largely about, you know, is artificial intelligence really intelligent? Yeah. This was right after that Google engineer said that, That's right. uh, you know, Google had Google had created Lambda, this sentient um, AI, and he was convinced that it was sentient. Well, he has since been let go or put on some sort of furlough or something. And, um, and the answer is no, it was not sentient. It was not conscious. We don't even know. We can't even really define what consciousness is, <laughs> much less, you know, created uh, within a computer program. Yeah. And um, so that interview was, which is also eh, probably not on the jukebox anymore. But, um, but um, there's a link that, for it somewhere, isn't there? Uh, I don't somewhere we should put it in up. any case you know that interview was 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 really about ai in general yeah what we talked about two weeks ago was generative ai this whole new generation of create an image for me or write an essay for me or write a poem for me in the style of robert frost or whatever it might be um so it's just a kind of a different facet of ai but it's a really interesting interview and if folks are interested in this wild, wacky world of artificial intelligence and how it's impacting um, more and more fields every day. Um, go to the go to the jukebox and look for the point and click from two weeks ago. Yes, two weeks ago. It'll still be there, and you can download it and put it on your audio device of choice. Exactly. 
Hey, Jim, I have a question for you. What's the difference okay. between Apple just released some new products? What's the difference between the brand new Mac Mini custom build to order M2 Pro version and an onion? <laughs> Uh, well, I know they both make you cry because they're a little on the pricey side. They make your eyes water when <laughs> you start to get into them. No, I, I, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, they, Apple has come out with some new products. And the first thing I could think of when I looked at what the top of the line version of this little Mac Mini, which starts out at something like $599 for a Mac, a desktop Mac. Yeah. But if you get the maximum amount of RAM and the maximum amount of um, uh, processor power and the maximum amount of you know um SSD graphics goodness storage and graphics goodness the, the thing is almost as expensive as the mac studio yeah which is yeah. the one they just it's, came out with it's it's you know it's kind of it's getting harder and harder to kind of buy a mac and figure out what you need for you know what model and what level of performance and all of that um but yeah there is a new mac uh since our last show Apple has released an updated version of the Mac Mini, which has the newer M2 Apple Silicon chips, um, as well as a 16-inch um, tray expensive but really powerful uh, laptop, the MacBook Pro 16-inch uh, with an M2 processor in it. Yeah, if you um, if you work if you make your money working on a computer and you want a faster version, the, this new laptop is is pretty super because. The earlier versions, I don't think they had the Pro chip in them. I think they were just the M1 yeah. and the M2. But now the 16-inch is uh, the biggest laptop. Not the biggest laptop Apple has ever made, but the biggest one they have now. And because they have so much more screen real estate on the actual physical device, it's pretty close to what their 17-inch yeah. laptop that they discontinued oh, about uh, 10 years ago would, would be now. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the minis. You know, They're a great machine for... Um, if you already have a display or you want to use your high-definition TV or and you already have a keyboard and mouse and all those things, even displays, those things are all really inexpensive these days. Um, you know, being able to get a, getting into, getting, get into the Mac world for, you know, under a thousand bucks or even just over a thousand bucks for one of the higher-end, faster models, um, not the fastest, but one of the faster ones, um, that's, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, the the new high-end Mac Mini will drive three monitors, uh, two over the Thunderbolt and one over the HDMI. So you can. It's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, yeah it, it's amazing. And uh, this newest one replaced the very last uh, Intel-based uh, Mac that Apple was offering. Um, yeah, they had right. a. Uh, they had a. Um, it was like a four-core Intel i7 processor, super Mac Mini, and. I guess they just hung on to that long enough because uh, there's a demand for those. People run server farms on those Mac Minis. You can, you can sure. set up your own website, you know, and manage it yourself, and then ship your Mac Mini off to a place that'll put it in a rack, you know, 16 feet away from the the main trunk of the internet, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, and get uh, get high speeds and stuff like that. And it's actually a pretty, you know, especially if you're far, far away from. Uh, uh, good internet connection or your connection is um, is uh, you know not that dependable goes out in the power yeah. power outage well, or they're something. Just, they're just great productivity yeah. machines that you know they, if you don't need the uh, you know you always pay then this is the case whether it's in the Mac world or the Windows world um, laptops are great but you pay a price for that portability 
Um, you pay in terms of performance. Laptops tend to be, not always, um, less fast than uh, as uh, desktop machines of equivalent price ranges. Uh, and they um, tend to be less expandable, obviously, because they're laptops, <laughs> because they're designed to fold up and put into, to an, into a into your into your bag right um, so a desktop machine whether it's mac or windows um is really nice as a way to get kind of basically more money more performance for your pennies um, oh yeah and and you know i was looking there are some amazing little windows machines too that are the size of mac minis yeah that are in the you know 500 dollar or so range price range that have HDMI ports and, and, and all the rest. So um, if you're in the Windows camp or you just like you want to stay there um, or you're on a tighter budget because these machines tend to be, uh, they often are in the Mac versus Windows world, uh, less expensive than Apple's gear. Um, you know, you can like look for mini mini windows pc on the search of your search engine of your choice and you'll uh you'll 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 come across a lot of options pc magazine pcmag.com uh, has reviews of a bunch of them too so um yeah if you're if you're on the windows side of the fence then that's a there's there there are options as well for those kind of really small compact you know not much bigger than a paperback book kind of sized uh computers that can go on your desk and connect to a big honking monitor or more than one big honking monitor. Yeah. Uh, and, In, uh, Intel, yeah. Make, Intel makes one called the Nuke, N-U-C, the Nuke. Uh -huh. And it's even smaller than a Mac Mini. It's uh, wow. really teeny. Um, and they're popular for um, a lot of times people will just hang them on the back of a, of a cheap, you know, like, I don't know what the most common size monitor is for people, you know, doing office work. I know, the fifteens have gone to the seventeens, and I think the seventeens have maybe gone to the twenty ones. But you can yeah, I think like the twenty ones to twenty fives. Yeah, so you can take a standard a, bearers these days. You can take a hundred and fifty or two hundred dollar monitor and hang one of these little things on the back of it, and yeah. you know, fill up your phone phone <laughs> phone barn with <laughs> with uh, <laughs> inexpensive computers. So I mean, there's you know, you can do a lot, and and they're they're uh, reasonably um, powerful machines. They're just absolutely very, very small, way more powerful than what you used to be able to get. Oh yeah, you know, not that many years ago. I know, I know. So, this is Point and Click Radio yes, with, it is. Uh, with Bob Lawton and yours truly, Jim Hyde, here on KZYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. We're here every other Wednesday to talk about computers and digital devices and digital trends and cultural societal impacts on uh, re that result from digital devices. Um, and um, we have a tip uh, this evening regarding uh, sharing your email address. Indeed. Really nice article in a recent uh, edition of the New York Times. Um, in fact, it's in today's edition called Everyone Wants Your Email Address. Think twice before sharing it. Your email address has become a digital breadcrumb for companies to link your activity across sites. And a really good example that uh, this article written by their reporter, Brian Chen, cites is you see this all the time when you go to a website and within either immediately or maybe just as you start to scroll, you see a pop-up thing come up that says, get 20% off your next, your first purchase. Join our mailing list, enter your email address here. Don't do it, don't do it. That is one of the new trends for tracking you across the internet. 
When you do that, there is a new um, web, a relatively new web tracking platform called Unified ID 2.0 or UID 2.0, developed by a company called Trade Desk. That when you enter your email address into websites like that, they will often call, uh, create a little token that follows you around. So if you go to a different website and enter your email address, maybe to make a purchase for something or whatever, or to sign in, you know, want to personalize as a shopping cart or whatever it might be. The, the first website, and they can target you with those sneaker ads that you saw, you know, before in the, in the other, in the other website. Um, so they are, um, they are what, what the Mozilla nonprofit organization calls a regression in privacy because it enables the kind of tracking behavior that modern web browsers were designed to prevent. Right. So, it's, it's a workaround for the um, ad uh, selling people to um, bypass all these, uh, you know, inter-browser privacy violations, you know, the do, do not track me, do not uh, have my browser. So they just go, they go right around the browser and say, just give us your email. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Forget yeah, this, forget these little crumbs that we pick up from, you know, how fast you move your mouse or, you yeah. know, how fast you type. Or, or, okay, or, so you've installed a burglar alarm. Just give us the key to your front door. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> that is, in essence, in a way, in a you know, and we're exaggerating a little bit, but only a little bit. Uh, what 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 this kind of tracking does? It's almost a sort of like volunteering to track. Um, so, this article, again, it's a, it's at the New York Times, nytimes.com, called "Everyone Wants Your Email Address." Uh, and if you if you go to the search engine of your choice and and just do a search for that phrase, everyone wants your email address. It'll probably be very close to the top, but it offers up a few really good alternatives. Um, one is to just create a bunch of email addresses. You know, most if on if not all internet providers these days give you multiple internet accounts with your monthly subscription. And um, if you if your provider does, then you can create whatever four or five. You can create just one if you want, or if you want to use one for you know all of your streaming websites, your Netflixes and whatnot. You might call it you know streaming Bob at Pacific.net or whatever it might be. Um, and another one for e-commerce, you might call it shopping cart Bob at, at Pacific.net. <laughs> And then so you use those different categories of email addresses for different kinds of sites so that you, by doing that, you greatly hamper the ability for marketers to track you from website to, to website. Another method, and if you don't, if your provider doesn't provide a bunch of uh, free accounts, then you can always create them on Gmail, for example, or Hotmail or other free you know, website um, providers. You can also, if you are living within the entire Apple ecosystem, there's a really great feature that is built into all of the Mac operating systems, mobile and desktop alike, called Hide My Email. And it works with a Safari browser that runs on all of those platforms. And if you go to a website, 
that has the little box for your email address, a little pop-up appears from the operating system saying, do you want to hide your email for, uh, for this website? And if you say yes, the browser will make up a weird, random, you know, horsey galaxy zero four, <laughs> you know, weird email address that is unique to only that website. And it, it masks it. So if the website then tries to reach you sending some spam or even an order confirmation or something legitimate, the Apple software will automatically forward it to your real address. So it's, it's like a, an intermediary between your email address and the website that required it. It's a great feature. Um, and then if you use it on your desktop copy of Safari and then you move over to your iPhone or a different laptop that you might have or whatever, um, it is smart enough for those to be synced across iCloud. So um, if you are just working within the Apple universe, the hide my mail feature is a great alternative. Where that can come back to bite you is if you're off somewhere, you know, you've borrowed somebody's Windows computer or you sat down at an internet cafe or something like that and you need to sign on to one of those websites, well, you'd better remember what weird email address Apple assigned to you when you were there. So that's one potential, um, one potential gotcha. Wouldn't the, um, wouldn't the Apple keychain that memorizes your passwords keep that info? If that was your username, the, uh, the uh, phony email address that Apple uh, cobbled up for you, wouldn't that stay on your device? I think that's... It stays uh, on your device, but what if you're not using your device? Well, it would, um, have, that, to, it would have to be on your phone. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. But it should be there in the in the Apple Cloud, you know you, that you stuff usually. Um, I I have to give Apple a lot of. Uh, I mean, I've I'm so disenchanted with so many things that Apple does now. Uh, you know, the the probably the the worst, uh, the the number one on the worst of 2022 was that new iPad they came out with. You know, all the pretty colors, and the um, webcam on the long side of the um, screen, which everybody had been yelling for. And then they had to throw in the old version of the pencil and give you a little charging adapter. And the whole thing was just so Rube Goldberg by the time it, you know, got out uh, to be sold. Uh, it, it was crazy. Anyway, it seems like they just have, uh, they've gotten a, a little too big for the kind of tight, um, clean, Steve Jobs, Johnny Ive era that, you know, that we've uh, gotten a few years away from now. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that, the thing that, the thing that I wanted to say about what I really like is that if you use the notes app on your iPod touch, your iPhone, your Mac, your iPad, it syncs over iCloud and that note is going to be on every one of the devices. Yeah. So it's really you can share a note with somebody else. Yes. And if they had updated, it, then it automatically, whatever they added automatically appears in yours um, and, and vice versa. It's great. Yeah. Those are really, if you get back to the email uh, yes. tip one for, for a second, the hide my email, there's one other one uh, feature that, um, that does not require you to be part of the Apple camp. And that is called Firefox relay. Um, and this is from the Firefox folks. This is, um, you get five free um, masked email address 
five hidden email addresses for free. And if you use more than that, I think it's something like um, 99 cents for additional aliases. So um, if you are interested in using that, if you're not an Apple person or you don't have a whole array of different Apple devices and you want to use something that's not related to Apple, um, and the Mozilla folks are very privacy minded and, you know, very uh, doing kind of the, doing the right things as far as going uh, uh, as far as privacy goes. Um, just go to the search engine of your choice and search for Firefox Relay. Firefox I, Relay. I really like that term email mask. Don't go out into the Internet without wearing your email mask. Wear your mask. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, that's great. And there's one more I would add to that. The free email relay that you can get at from DuckDuckGo. It's a, oh, yeah. it's a duck.com. Your email will be at duck.com. And what it does is it, it um, if you want to subscribe to a newsletter or, you know, blog updates or any kind of updates like that, if you're expecting regular email, if you give them your, uh, you only get one duck address per account, per, e per real email, email address. In other words, the address you're going to be masking can only be associated with one duck uh, email. It doesn't create multiple email masks like some of the other services. But when somebody, when you put that, uh, subscribe me to this newsletter, send it to my duck.com email, it'll scrub out all the trackers and known, uh, you know, known spyware and all the kind of crap that they use to harvest, uh, um, uh, your reading activity. A lot of times when you read an email, it automatically sends data somewhere, you know, that you, right. that you're a live fish and that you read that email. And it especially happens if you, uh, download the images to the email. But when you get a message sent from the Duck uh, DuckDuckGo email relay, uh, right at the very top, it puts a little uh, header at the top of the email and says, "We've removed six trackers from this email," and you know, you can uh, you can actually use it to reply because it'll send it back through the relay. Um, yeah. and so you can reply to that, and it won't divulge your real email address uh, when you do the reply too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And that'll, yeah. that'll work with what you're talking about there, Jim. That's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's a really, and you know, obviously you don't have to do any of this if you don't mind getting the, getting the spam. And if you don't mind the fact that a website is tracking where you've been so that it can put ads in front of you, um, go ahead and just enter your normal address as you, as you traverse the internet. Um, but if you, if you want to read more about it, um, I just did, did, did a check. I went to uh, Google and just searched for the phrase, Everyone wants your email address. And so if you go to the search engine of your choice and type everyone wants your email address, the very top hit will be this really great article that ran in today's edition of the New York Times by Brian Chen, one of their technology reporters. I read an interesting uh, blog post. Uh, I think it came in one of Cory Doctorow's newsletters, but it was a young woman who had just really had it up to here with the degradation of social media. <laughs> she kind of uh, encapsulated the, the whole thing with uh, stop talking with each other and just start buying things. <laughs> <laughs> And it's kind of the evolution of every one of these, you know, internet behemoths. They start out with people talking to each other and having a great, you know, creating a great social platform. 
And then all the, um, you know, the venture capital and the, the money bags come in and they just want you to stop talking to each other. I mean, that's, that, that's what's going on with Twitter now. And that was going on with uh, all the other social media. I don't know. I don't know what the solution shut to that is. Shut up and shop. Yeah, shut up and shop. That's, <laughs> that's a more succinct way to put it. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, should we give out the phone numbers, my friend? And we see should. If, uh, I think we, the phones are working tonight, aren't they? The phones are working. Well, I'm assuming they are. I didn't test them, but let's uh, find out. Everything, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be our our um, our test call? Just just call up and say hi. It works. <laughs> no, eight nine five two four four eight. It's seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. That is the kzyx studio number no matter where your hosts are broadcasting from 895-2448 give us a call if you have a question a comment or if you've called in before for advice and it's worked or not worked keep us you know update us with your uh success stories or maybe it didn't work so well the first time and we might have some more options 895-2448. Yeah, we have a call coming in. So You're right. let's, let's see, see if, if the phones are working. The tension is palpable. It is. Hi. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Why don't you tell us your name? Hi. Hi. My name is Mark. And I just wanted to say that uh, uh, Adblock works really well in terms of uh, keeping unwanted ads. Uh, I love Adblock. Oh, Adblock, yeah. That's my comment, and the phones are working. They are. They are indeed. Thank you. You proved it and, yeah. and, and, and provided a great tip, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Adblock is, is, I think it's installed on almost every one of my computers. It's like one of the originals for uh, yeah. cutting yeah. down on that stuff. Thanks, Mark. Wonderful. All right. Okay. Have, have a good evening. And, and blocking ads, it's worth noting, is not only um, – improves your privacy and your sanity but also helps web pages load faster oh absolutely i mean we've seen statistics where most of the bandwidth is not loading the content you're going to read or or look at or stream or find out about it's all the cruft that the uh the um what was the company that what's the new thing called that, that that's spying on you with the email um the uh the uh, UID UID 2.0 yes UID yes. 2.0 yes. hey you know i'm i'm glad you brought up the whole thing about the uh, the pop-ups that ask you for although they're not pop-up windows it comes out of the page itself it's yeah, it's another thing over, they worked around that too yeah they use css to have some window appear the first or second time I thought, Oh, that's great. This is a new a new trend. They want it they want it you want your business and they'll give you ten percent off or fifteen percent off your first order. How kind of them. Yes. And then after about the twentieth time I thought, nah, this is they're up to something. They're this is too this is just too repetitive to be just them wanting to give you a discount and, and get on with it. It's it's something going on in the background. Or maybe it's, you know, subscribe to our newsletter. You know, clearly you're interested in dog training or whatever it might, <laughs> it might be. Right. And get, get fresh tips every week and subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email address here. And oftentimes, too, they happen while you're scrolling down the page. So you're there kind of reading oh. something interesting. And oh. all of a sudden, you know, someone wearing a trench coat comes up front in front of you and, you know, opens a jacket and shows you a bunch of ties and, <laughs> and stolen wristwatches. It's, it's that's, so that's what it feels awesome. like. Yeah, it is. what it feels like. We got another call. Let's go back to the okay. phones. Hi, caller. What's your name? You're on the air. Uh, John. 
Hi, John. I just had a quick question, uh, Jim, about how's he doing with Starlink? Yes. Ah. Starlink update. Good, good question. Um, this Starlink, this is the Elon Musk SpaceX satellite constellation of thousands of satellites in orbit. Um, kind of amazing and um, been hugely important in the Ukraine uh, conflict and very controversial among astronomers and, and others. Um, my experience with it has been generally good. It has gotten slower than it was when uh, it was less popular. It's kind of like more pop more people have showed up to the party and now it's harder to you know make your way up to the buffet. Um, the speed has definitely decreased. Um, the price went up a bit. I think it's a hundred and a quarter a month now rather than the 99 a month I think that it debuted at. They've introduced a data cap, a monthly data cap of a terabyte which is a huge amount of data which you know you really have to be you know pirating movies or something like that to be able to really reach that i think overthrowing uh, governments even, even watching tons of uh, high definition movies on netflix kind of thing would probably not gobble up a terabyte but if you do then they throttle you back until the following uh, month. This is something that satellite providers have done for a long time and that even some terrestrial providers do. Um, so by and large, though, it's been really reliable. It did not um, skip. It skipped maybe a couple of beats during the storms when the rain was really just kind of crazy and insane. Um, there's a lot of water between here and outer space yeah. and that that water absorbs radio signals and it either slowed down uh, quite a bit or it would just drop out entirely. It didn't happen very much at all. Um, my bottom line is if you are able to support and subscribe a, to a local internet provider, whether that's MCN or Pacific or Sonic or, um, or, or further reach, um, I heartily encourage that first because you're not only keeping your money local and getting probably better support, um, but you'll generally often be able to get better performance uh, as well. If you don't have that option, if you live deep in the trees in a, in a, in a, in a valley and there's no way, I mean, further reach will climb trees and, you know, install antennas on top of the, on top of redwood trees, uh, for example, to be able to provide access, but they can't serve everybody. And if you're in an area where you don't have any other option, Starlink is still really generally a really, really good choice. A lot of those places will, um, I call it neighbor share, you know, they'll find somebody who lives on a, yes. on a hilltop and for maybe a, a discount or, a, you know, a, a reasonable service, they'll put a transmitter up there and serve what's in the, um, the view shed of that, that location. And that, yeah. that, that continues to grow. Also, Ukiah Wireless and I think Willits Online provide those services locally. So it really is good yeah. if you can, uh, you know, check your, your local, uh, providers and see what they have and those the equipment on those keeps when I, I when i first started doing the wireless internet which is what i the only thing i could have um out in uh, the, the part of the county i live in um, i had to go from my dial-up modem to the uh, the wireless uh you know the rooftop uh, little rooftop dish that points up at the the nearby mountain and the service the equipment has gotten a lot better like you know like all, mm. all other equipment the the uh, specifications have improved and it's a more robust, speedier 
uh, more dependable connection. And because it's um, going over a virtual wireless network, there's no, there's no really no latency. It's not like satellite where it has to go up into outer space and back down yeah. again. It, That's one of the huge advantages for staying on the ground, yeah. terrestrial versus, um, I, I've, heard the, I've heard the term orbital internet. Orbital internet, yeah. Terrestrial internet and orbital, orbital is always going to be um, a little bit slower because the satellites are thousands of miles away. Did everything, anything ever happen to that plan to float blimps up in the air that would, would provide? I don't know. That was Google. Google had a weird, and yeah. I think Facebook had a weird thing yeah. where they were trying. And I think they have used it in cases of natural disasters. Okay. Um, where, you know, and, well, I know in that, in Tonga, when that massive underwater volcano blew up that could be seen from space, um, they, I think, I think SpaceX sent a bunch of spa, uh, um, Starlink terminals there to get them uh, to get them online before the undersea cable could be repaired. But I think that I've read that other companies or providers have used those blimps to even provide like cell service um, because those crazy things they can float like for weeks. They they're they're not like. They're not like the Goodyear blimp. There's some kind of weird, like, stationary balloon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I need to know more about them, but I don't think anybody is doing them at large scale. I don't think I want one floating over my house either. No, no, me either. Not unless I can go for a ride in it. Speaking about emergencies, did you hear about the guy who was training a boxer and his uh, Apple Watch called uh, Siri called uh, emergency <laughs> services? No. Okay, this guy was training with a boxer, you know, and he was holding up his his glove, and he had his Apple Watch on, and you know, it was the impact was, yeah. was, was causing the uh, fall alert or something, and they were doing a routine where he was saying, you know, he was telling him which punches to do one, one, two. I guess in the country they were in one, one, two calls is like nine, <laughs> nine one, one, and, and you know, and because it's it's a cellular device, they were able to get the location, you know. And I guess whatever he was saying sounded like somebody was being assaulted. You know? That's good. <laughs> so the uh, don't go sparring with your Apple. Don't watch go sparring off. with your Apple Watch <laughs> on, or at least put first. it in. Uh, you know, turn Siri off or something. I just thought that was a, the the little strange edge case edge cases that are coming out of these. Apparently, they work better for helping people than than creating these bizarre dilemmas. But it's. That's great. It's interesting to hear. About <laughs> Take your watch off funny. before sparring for your yes. box. Don't match. spar with your watch on. Eight nine five two four four eight. Anybody want to call and and join the conversation here on Point and Click Radio? I'm Bob Lawton. We're with my co-host Jim Hyde, and we're talking about computer and digital issues. And um, we always like to hear what our listeners think about the current state of things or if you're having a computer problem or things aren't working or you're looking for for tips to get your um your devices working more to your satisfaction just give us a call 8952448 hey i discovered one thing about the um typing uh on a um i use i use my little old now extinct ipod touch to, to write notes, to, uh, you know, to write notes to myself, especially like if I wake up in the morning and I want to remember something and it's got a teeny, 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 teeny little keyboard on it. Uh -huh. 
And I found out that the ty- kind of typing you do where you tap on the first letter and then just slide your hand over to the other letters. Oh yeah. Works yeah, yeah. really, really well. I mean, it works better than the, than the hit or miss, you know, when I just try to type the letters individually. Yeah. You know, if oh, you want to cool. type the word next, you tap, you, you tap down on the end, you hold, slide up to the E, slide down to the X. And almost before you can get up to the T, you can hit it on the, on the, the, uh, word prediction you know where it comes yeah, in right, above right, right. that and oh, it, that's cool yeah it, it's, it's kind of a cool a little feature. on-screen keyboards are i mean it's amazing that they're there but boy they could be annoying sometimes they can, they can be annoying and it's a real learning oh. learning curve here's something um uh, uh toby molina of uh, the point and click research desk uh, just within the last week got a really nifty little like 30 some dollar bluetooth keyboard from Logitech, yeah, that works with um, your phone, your tablet. It'll work with your desktop or laptop computer if you want. It has a little switch. It will work with up to three different devices, and it has a really slick little slot in the back that you can put your phone in oh. or your, your your tablet in, and it will hold it up like a stand. Yeah, and it kind of when you do that, it kind of looks like a laptop, and although so it's got a slot to be the the device rest, and right. then you're typing away on a full size keyboard. Yeah, oh. so if you need to, you know, because sometimes you know whatever you're you're in a different part of the house and you've got some important piece of email that you have to address or something you want to write down a flash of inspiration that just came to you. Sure. And all you have is your phone or your tablet. And this is, I don't want to deal with this little weird screen. Um, one of those Logitech US, uh, not USB, Bluetooth, Bluetooth keyboards yeah. with the slot in the back is a really nice alternative. And same thing, you know, if you're on a budget and you have a smartphone already, um, and you know you 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 don't you use it for or a tablet and you're happy with it for basic internet uh, internet and uh, use and email, but you hate working with that on-screen keyboard. One of those thirty-some dollar Bluetooth keyboards basically kind of turns your tablet into a little laptop. Yeah, the keyboard cover combinations are just horrifically expensive. You know, the ones they really that are. Apple, yeah, have Apple and, makes some that are like two hundred and fifty bucks, and they're, of course, they're Museum of Modern Art, blah blah. But, yeah, you know, yeah. They're just no, they're too expensive. We got another call. Let's go back to the phones. Hi, caller. What's your name? You're on the air. Whoops. Sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Call us back, dial tone. Hi, are you there? Caller. Hi. Yes, I am here. Oh, hi. What's your name? This is. Robert from the coast. Robert, you're and on the I was You're on the air. Good. Thank you. Um, I was wondering if you guys have a recommendation for a password locker or something like that where I keep my passwords. Mm-hmm. And I'll what? take my answer on the air. Thank okay, you. great. Thanks for calling. Um, hmm. These are these are tools that Will help. Will make up very complicated passwords for you. Or if you choose to make up your own, they will save them for you on your computer in an encrypted form, so that when you go back to that website, it will just spew it out automatically. 
and save you from having to re remember that complicated password. You said, as we always say on the show, you should never use the same password for all of your websites that you go to. Um, you shouldn't even, you should use unique passwords for each website that you go to if you're able to. Um, or at the very least, use unique ones for the really important ones like your online banking or your health uh, providers portal, um, anything that contains really important um, uh, personal uh, information like that. Um, the problem with creating all those unique passwords is, is that, for one thing, it's hard to kind of come up with a really complicated one that you don't think people will be able to guess, and it's hard to remember each one. So that's where these password management tools come in. Um, I use the ones that are built into the Apple operating system. Apple has password, just as they have that hide my mail feature that I talked about earlier, where it um, will work across different Apple devices that you have. It remembers that um, Apple has a similar dealio with passwords. It will offer to create a quote unquote strong password which is just, it looks like somebody spilled a bag of Scrabble tiles out onto the floor um, for you. And it will then remember that. And then if you go from device to device, to Apple device to Apple device, uh, it will retrieve those passwords for you. If you are not a Mac person or you use the Chrome browser instead of Safari or whatever, um, there are other companies that make them. Um, the Toby Molina from the point and click research desk is a big fan of one called LastPass. And LastPass is one of the big ones. In fact, they, they tragically enough, they had a data breach. They did. Through the end of last year. <laughs> Who are you gonna trust? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, none of the passwords were exposed. The big, you know, the big master ones. In fact, they don't even have access to them. No. So if, if you lose your, what you do with LastPass is you, you create your own super secret password that is your master key into LastPass. And then from there, LastPass goes, goes ahead and makes up and remembers those big, strong passwords for you. If you lose that big, special, super secret password, even the LastPass folks can't help you. Um, so uh, some information was obviously breached, uh, lost when that, or stolen when that breach happened uh, toward the end of last year. But um, but no actual passwords were comp uh, compromised, according to the company. Yeah. Um, but, but LastPass is the one that seemed is one of the uh, one of the popular ones, and the one that uh, Toby really swears by. She uses it across all of her machines. Any website that you set up an account with a username and a password will let you reset your password. So all is not mm -hmm. lost if that happens to you and you can't get into your your yeah. your um, your password manager. One password seems to also be another one that's, uh, yes. that's been popular over the years, although I've never used any. And the one that's built into the um, the Apple operating systems, uh, I think they call it keychain access, and it, yeah. It's, yeah. it stores those from device to device, and it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. But um, yeah, you just uh, click on the thing that says forgot password, and they'll send you a email, and then the email comes to the address you've set up with them. So that's unique to that account. And, yeah. and that's how you can reset that password. 
Yeah. So either one password and that's numeral one yes. password. Yes. Um, last pass, which is the one that Toby swears by, or if you're working just within the whole Apple uh, universe, um, the feature that's built into the uh, Safari browser are, are a few good choices. But, um, but good for you for thinking about those because that is the kind of thing that people should be doing to um, keep, keep, keep yourself safe. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea to do that. And back your data up. That's the other thing we always yes. talk about. Locally and over the cloud if you can. Yeah. Uh, get a cheap USB hard drive. They're so inexpensive anymore. Um, and just drag your files over to it or use a backup a piece of software or use if you're a Mac person use time machine um, and then also because fires and floods and burglaries and burst pipes and who knows what happened your cat um, happens um, cats do happen they do but, uh, um, keep your most important stuff in the cloud as well um, I use uh, I use a backup um, uh, platform called iDrive where, um, and I think it's like $99 a year or thereabouts. Um, and it gives me five terabytes and it just keeps my files. I don't even have to think about it. It's just keeping up and it's uploading stuff to the cloud right now, even as I'm talking. So, um, is iDrive a feature equivalent to Dropbox, would you say? No, it's more geared toward backup specifically okay more yeah. dropbox is more like file sharing you can use dropbox for backup type stuff but it's not as automated okay it's not kind of running in the background saying oh 14, 14 files were changed i'm going to upload those to the clouds now oh so it does it kind of does like what time machine does but it does it uh to the cloud exactly to, yeah. to yeah. iDrive servers yeah yeah oh that's great yeah it has it saved my bacon once you know and i've been as you know abused using these stupid machines for decades now and i never lost anything ever until last year <laughs> when oh, no. i tried to upgrade the operating system on my mac and oh, i right. bricked it it i lost everything and if i hadn't had time machine backups and iDrive, i would not be the happy carefree <laughs> person that you're listening to right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, your 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 machine, your production machine, lost its mind, but yeah. you didn't lose any of your data because it had been backed up. And my apps, I mean, everything. I mean, because but, a time machine, you know, I was able to completely recreate my whole world. It took a day, you know, and I definitely you would have had to use the flawless AI to change some of the words that I said into words that could be said on the radio. Oh yes, yes, right. <laughs> but it still worked. I was able to do it. And that's what matters. And man, don't go without backing up, folks. At least your most important stuff, your photos, your music, anything you don't want to face losing. Right. Sound advice, indeed. Yeah, it's really good to do that. And um, there are also, um, and you may want to take this tip too, <laughs> there are also, for more advanced users, uh, uh, software that will let you clone your startup disk onto another yes. disk. And so it actually um, will be, it's basically a mirror image of your, because just getting your data is not enough to get your computer to start up. Your exactly. computer has all kinds of configurations and settings and, and preferences that are built in. And uh, that startup disk itself, if you make a mirror of it, 
and I think the the two um, favorite ones, and I think these are ones that our friend Chuck Wilcher always recommended, was uh, Carbon Copy Cloner and yep. Super Duper. Super Duper. And these uh, are for Macs. I'm not sure what the the. I think there are equivalent software that works on on Windows PCs, but for Macs, yep. uh, Carbon Copy Cloner and Super Duper, and they've they've been around forever. I mean, they've been around since almost the beginning of the uh, personal computer era. And if you go to the, the search engine, your Windows folks, if you go to the search engine of your choice and search for Disk Cloner Windows, there you go. You will get lots of like the the, the eight best disk cloning software for Windows, how to clone a hard drive, and so you'll get lots of good tips for cloning your drive. But yeah, that's a good idea. That's something I don't do. I ought to. I ought to do it too. And I've had I've owned Carbon Copy Cloner for a couple of years, and I still have <laughs> only gotten through half of the first page of the manual because you have to you, you have to do a lot of prep to do it. Yeah. And and the other thing is, you can't just clone off the running computer. You have to boot remotely and let it suck it all off of the unencumbered boot up drive. So uh, one of the things remember they used to do that. Uh, what was the firewire disk drive you used to be able to boot off a different computer hey, target, target mode target mode that was it yeah that's one of those uh situations where you'd want to use something like like target mode yeah yeah whatever you do backup backup um, early backup often any any the worst the sloppiest backup routine is better than none better at all. than none at all even if you have to copy your important files under those little um 32 gigabyte thumb drives little you know thumb disks thumb disks yep exactly that's typical. anything all oh, works great thanks jim we're gonna go back up i'm gonna go do some i'm gonna get infer that i need to back up yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do some go do some inferencing inferencing yeah inference your backups well that was fun i learned a lot tonight Always is, Bob. Always is. All we'll right. be back in two weeks for more of this silliness. In the meantime, happy, safe computing, everybody. All right. Good night. Night. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening. <laughs>